Welcome to Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. We're here to help you take your health, fitness, and mindset to the next level. It's time to level up. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. Today we are talking about activating the parasympathetic nervous system. Yeah, so the nervous system in general is something I feel like we touch on actually quite a bit because it governs everything in our entire body. Like everything we do in regards to health and fitness is controlled by a nervous system. So it's an integral system to be well aware of, but there's so many nuances when it comes to it. And obviously, you know, both Danny and I are doing like a neuroscience course and we've been learning a lot about not just the physiology of the nervous system, but then also how to integrate it from a somatic, emotional, um, like subconscious level as well. There's those two nuances. However, before we get into the episode, we thought we'd just do a little bit of a life update. Yes. And I thought um, that this episode was quite fitting to where I'm at in life. You know, parasympathetic nervous system is all about rest and digest. And like most, um, ended up getting COVID for the past week. So shout out to my isolation homies. Um, (laughs) So by the time this comes out, it'll be well and truly in the past. But, you know, it was definitely a time where I had to pay attention to resting and nothing else. You know, I was very lucky to have mild symptoms, a little bit of a runny nose, tiny bit of a cough, but just overall fatigue like you wouldn't imagine. I think most of us are used to pushing through fatigue. So for the first few days, I knew I felt a little bit off, but I just thought it was because I was traveling from Melbourne. Um... And then just doing all of these things. But then I'm like, no, this is actually like really tiring. Mm. Um, So then ended up, you know, taking a test the next few days and it was positive. So the body knows how to try and tap into these systems that you need. And we can't always be in fight or flight and running off adrenaline. Um, So, yeah, I found it quite fitting that after a week of isolation, you know, we would and we planned this episode before that, actually. But now I've got a few anecdotal stories to tell Um, with the importance of actually tapping into your parasympathetic nervous system. Mm. Now, we have spoken to Michelle on, um, I think it was three episodes now we've had her on, where we went into the really scientific neuroscience. Um, But today, Sherelle and I are going to put our sort of life spin um, on digesting what is the parasympathetic nervous system. Yeah, and thanks for sharing that, Danny, because I just think it's so important that we almost normalise it. You know, I don't often use the word normal, but I think we need to at least mm. commonize it, if that's a word. Commonize. But commonize. Um, we, <laughs> well, we yeah, it's everywhere. We did an episode previously on comp prep and COVID as well. Yeah. And, you know, I've recently, um, like I've got clients that are getting sick and I just, I want to be able to sort of off the back end of that, um, almost refer that episode. But then, Danny, you were sort of mentioning like, maybe we want to have a bit more of an empathetic sort of compassionate lens as well moving forward, especially with this episode. Yeah, I definitely would have worded things differently, probably knowing what it feels like to actually have COVID, even though it was very mild. But aside from the physical symptoms of the lingering fatigue and sort of Mm. need to catch your breath, um, the mental fatigue, you know, you feel like you're, you know, and it's more common now or commonized as you sort of coined before, but you feel you feel just mentally drained because you sort of want to look for answers or you want to find people who are in the same boat and your mind is always on it. And I think there's been a real heightened awareness of it. And now I'm not to say that that wasn't needed. We, we need to educate the community on the importance of being aware of it. But, you know, 
personally for me, which I'm very lucky, I've had worse colds in the past. Like I've been way more sick in the past, but I think I did my own head in just for overanalyzing, trying to look for too much information, really looking out for symptoms and sort of panicking almost. So there was one day where I sort of gave myself really heightened anxiety and that was worse than the symptoms itself because I kind of went down a tangent of, okay, I think my breath's a bit short. Oh, my God. And then you just go down a path, not to mention I started sleeping with my phone next to me just because I was in bed chilling out and all of some of my habits let slip but for good reason, just in case I needed to call someone or I wanted to check in on my family who I'd just visited the week before. Luckily, you know, no, none of them got it. But I really want to place emphasis on the mental fatigue mm-hmm. that probably supersedes the physical fatigue of COVID. So mm-hmm. to go back on what we were talking about, just give yourself a break. Like, mm-hmm. yes, even if you're in a comp prep or even if you're getting back into training, I mean, this whole month of December, I've had two weeks full off of training because of sickness. I had a stomach bug two weeks ago and now I cop this. Um, so I think it's important just to really ease back into it. Yeah. Even if it means just leaving the house and walking down to the park down the road, mm. like don't push yourself because mm. your body and mind for the past two years has been going through something that is just on and on and on and on and on. And I think it's important to really honor yourself and not rush back into things. Yeah, really well said. And I think for most things and particularly this, a lot of the times it is the psychological burden of a lot of things. And whether you've, you know, had COVID or not, um, I've even been watching and my heart's been breaking for like a lot of the nurses and just some of the Mm -hmm. conditions that they're going through. And I have a lot of clients as well that are, you know, being pulled off their leave and haven't had a break in two years and those sorts of things. And it's just, I even got goosebumps sort of saying Mm -hmm. that because it's about understanding the burden that it has on everyone from a psychological standpoint. Maybe you haven't been impacted, but if you looked hard enough, there would be a way, you know, whether it's, I've even been hearing of people like elective surgery has been cancelled in Australia, if anyone's heard of that. And that just has such a huge impact on like what's elective. Mm. you know who chooses and mm. wants to have a knee replacement so mm. it's just about understanding the psychological impact as well and I think that's been able to probably give us that new lens of being like okay everyone let's just be really compassionate for each other um, yep. and then of course ourselves and I think what an amazing episode then to sort of switch into to be able to give our stories and aspects on how to actually be able to slow down a little bit and have that Yeah, exactly right. So you nailed it perfectly saying to be compassionate because everyone, you know, there are a lot of opinions out there on social media and for and against this and that, whatever. But like our opinions are based on our personal experiences and how we're feeling at that point in time. So even though someone's opinion might oppose ours and people might be coming forth with aggression, just try and be compassionate and just realize that they're coming from a place of their beliefs and they're just trying to feel safe and a part of something. Um, So yeah, let's just be a little bit more compassionate, I say. Yeah, absolutely. What a way to start it. So that's our life update. (laughs) Yeah, shit. My little component of that as well, if you don't mind me sharing, but I've got um, my team workshop this weekend from Thursday to Sunday that we've been planning for like four months. And then all of this happened and I was like, great, like the chances of us all being able to get together Uh, and have this weekend because they're all flying down, et cetera. And then we've got venues booked and all that sort of stuff. And I was like, it's not going to happen. So I've been training in the home garage because I'm like, I just need to try and push this for like a week and then look, give me my hit. I'll have it then. Yeah. But I've made it. It's Thursday. It's happening today. We're all getting here. 
congratulations just like a bricks off my chest yeah that'll be so exciting and we'll definitely keep an eye out on social media loving everything that you're putting out um not only for your personal social media but from the women's health movement page it's so cool and to see the girls so amazing so glad you got to make it happen yeah very excited (laughs) but you know moving in I guess that's our little bit of a life update Hmm. we really wanted to touch base today because we haven't shared a lot about the branches of the autonomic nervous system as Danny mentioned we have had Michelle um, who shared like a neuroscience lens and perspective from a lockdown sort of um, view as well when we were going through all of that but we wanted to give some of our strategies and some of our stories about what the nervous system is for first and foremost and how we uh, like utilize some of these strategies to be able to like work towards our health and fitness goals. Yeah. Yeah. So in the next episode, we'll talk about the uh, sympathetic nervous system, which most people are familiar about, but today's parasympathetic. So the parasympathetic nervous system is responsible for regulating the body's unconscious actions. Mm. So the ones that we can't deliberately do. So salivation, digestion, sexual arousal, um, urination, um, and things like that. Well, we can, yeah, well, we can choose to urinate. Well, hopefully you still can. I don't know, remember 90. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, there comes a point, like, actually, like, yeah. from a nursing perspective, Please. if someone's urine output drops, it's, it's like, one of the worst things. It's indicating sort of renal mm. failure. So yeah. I think, like, in chronic illness and sickness, absolutely. But yeah. everyone's heard of the nervous system, right? Everyone's like, oh, the nervous system. It's so trendy at the moment. But <laughs> it, there's so many things that are broken down from the nervous system, right? Yeah. So we have our central nervous system, which everyone talks about, our CNS, you know, those everyone – I use it. I say like, oh, my CNS is fried, right? Yeah, 100%. We talk about it from a training perspective, but Mm. our ANS, like our autonomic nervous system, are the things that happen subconsciously without us actually thinking. Um, What we want to talk about today is, yes, the autonomic nervous system, but then again, and I'm using my hands here, so IGTV maybe, um, (laughs) but we've got our autonomic nervous system up here. And then there's these two branches that come off it and one's sympathetic. So we've all heard of fight or flight, like again, fight or flight. We've all heard of that one. And then the opposite side is our parasympathetic nervous system, which is rest and digest. And they work together like a pendulum, right? So we don't want one or the other all the time. We want this balance and we want this fluent um, swing between the two, depending on our lifestyle situation and stresses, The only issue that we run into today is that with such an aroused state and environment, we tend to, um, humans as a species, be more in that sympathetic um, fight or flight state just from, I guess, arousal from being on social media, constant stress, stuck in traffic, shopping, like commitments, all these things that, you know, from an evolutionary standpoint, perhaps we wouldn't have had to worry about and we would have had Mm. more of that parasympathetic and Obviously, if you're constantly in one state or the other, there's going to be health consequences. I think for the sake of this population, um, population podcast, (laughs) we wanted to start with uh, parasympathetic nervous system because it's probably, and I'm being very um, like subjective here, but it's probably the, the area that a lot of us need to focus on more so when it comes to getting actual health benefits of understanding these systems. Yeah. And as you said, we're all very good at pushing, 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 you know, caffeine as well. We're all caffeinated and yep, got a big coffee cup there. Um, and it's just pushing us to the edge. And I feel like 
in the past it was glamorous to be hustling and working and not resting and we've definitely spoken about this before but now the education is kind of coming on the benefits of tapping into that um I got to be careful when I say the word PNS. The PNS <laughs> tapping into the PNS, tapping into the penis. I think for the sake of the podcast, we can say it. Well, it heightens your sexual arousal, whatever you like. So, anyway, um, yeah. So it is very important to get used to the idea of resting. Like you mm. notice it in the animal kingdom, animals are always sleeping. You know, they just take a nap whenever they want. And what I've learned in this week off. Um, because I haven't been having coffee just because when I'm unwell, I just don't crave coffee. That's how I know I'm unwell. Yeah, me too, right? I'm yeah. like, I don't want my coffee. Something is terribly wrong. Yeah, exactly right. So I've hardly had coffee even this whole month. And I'm kind of like, am I actually tired because of the virus or am I tired because this is normal to feel tired and I've just been putting Band-Aids over it for the past seven years, you know, and actually sitting down in space, like, and giving yourself space. I've been having more naps, obviously. Yes, because I was a little bit unwell, but I I was kind of thinking if I wasn't hustling and working and training and doing all these things, I would probably still want to have a nap in the day because it's just a natural thing that we need to do, just rejuvenate and re-energize. So yeah, it's really important that we highlight the benefits of this and all of the high achievers are probably saying, oh my God, but it means I need to slow down or I won't achieve. I won't get my goal. Well, not really because you can end up burning out you're running off adrenaline you'll end up sick anyway and then having to take that rest time so let's really um make a point this year to spend more time resting and present and and just relaxing yeah hard work hustle is um you know glorified in our current reality and Mm. you know in a world that does glorify that it it takes courage and discipline to actually slow down and rest it's actually really difficult um something you mentioned there though which sort of triggered a thought i've never had that mentality around napping and being bad things i used to use it so strategically with night Mm. duty like if i didn't nap it was like I couldn't perform like mm. whether it was 20 minutes, like just in a random patient bed, uh, not, oh. with, not with the patient, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was, it was like seen as like a, it was normalized, right? Like it was normalized. But what you mentioned there, like in the afternoon, that little siesta, mm. right. That, that you feel like you might get, there's actually um, like a peak in melatonin in that time. And if you looked at an evolutionary standpoint, I don't know why that happens, but they actually see that. So it's encouraged okay. in certain cultures to actually have a big lunch and then siesta, have a nap and then get on with your day again. And, you know, mm. physiologically we do, you do see that in melatonin fluctuations, which to me is really interesting because because it's a hormone that's regulated by light. Um, but it's mm. something that, yeah, like shouldn't be demonized and sleep. And, you know, you hear all those people sort of downplay it as a bad thing, but lots of thoughts come up for me then. And I, I'm yep. trying to like write it down to make sure we don't confuse people. But <laughs> when it comes to the parasympathetic nervous system, you mentioned lots of things there. And it's going to be, I guess, um, interesting for us because we'll probably refer to the sympathetic nervous system a lot because it, it, they are so together like they are on a pendulum but we'll go into more things next week Mm. um but this week like let's really laser in on some of the things that perhaps are really helpful for activating your parasympathetic nervous system absolutely really well said and i think um one of the most important is just being present and breathing properly i know when i have heightened periods of anxiety which i have been experiencing more in the past 12 months 
your breath is the first thing to speed up in the, in that state. So the sympathetic nervous system is on and on and on. Slow down, deep belly breathing. Now you don't have to be in a state of heightened arousal to tap into that side. Even if you're feeling a little bit overworked and you're at your office and at the desk and you're like, oh yeah, I'll just take five minutes. Deep breathing really activates the parasympathetic nervous system and allows you to slow down. It gives the body a sense of calm. It just slows down that cortisol and adrenaline and then allows you to be a little bit more calm. So for me, breathing, I love it. That's my number one. Something I don't do well because I get lightheaded every time I try and do it for too long. And that's how I know I need to practice it more. Yeah. Breath work is huge right now. And you read a lot about it. It is the gateway to controlling your autonomic nervous system. Mm. For a branch of the nervous system that we don't really have much conscious control over, it is something that you can start doing um, with like control, right? You can include breath work. I think what you'll find with a lot of people is the first place that you may need to start is being, is recognizing or identifying if you're in um, a sympathetic state too frequently Mm. and in our day and age like there was lots of things coming up for me like that I was thinking about you know digestive issues um, chronic fatigue Mm. um, stress mental health like there's lots of things that do characterize whether you are in a heightened state Um, and I think a lot of people would be able to relate to that because stress on the body just impacts us on so many levels so if we're not consciously trying to tap into uh, our parasympathetic nervous system with things like breath work you know you might actually find that you end up in a place where you are choosing caffeine too frequently and you're over caffeinated Mm. or your sleep is starting to deteriorate for example or you are having anxious thoughts and you're constantly feeling busy and you're on the go and you can't feel satisfied or your training sucks you know there's lots Mm. of things that can happen from being living in that sympathetic state And, you know, we'll touch on like sympathetic dominance perhaps next week and go down that avenue. But it's important to know, as you mentioned, like breath work Um, for me, like journaling and and like Mm. and um, I don't know what it is about pen to paper, but there's just something so remedial and therapeutic about doing a really slow practice. So And you're present and you can't not be present really in writing. Like you have to be thinking about what you're writing or looking at the paper. Yeah, it's beautiful. So, yeah, you've brought that up um, a fair few times just because of the amazing benefits, and I really agree on that. Yeah, I'm someone as well that if I want to slow down, right, I struggle to not do things. I don't know if anyone, mm. but I like to, like, I like to like actively be present. So, for example, yep. if I'm reading a book, my attention is in the book, and to me, that's mindfulness. Like a lot yes. of people think that they have to sit there and like um and meditate, but <laughs> if you're like my argument is like if you're really doing the thing and you're in like your intention is that um, and you're giving it your full attention, then that is mindfulness. So whether that's yep. like journaling or like reading or coloring in mm. to me as well, I actually love cardio for that reason. You know, okay. you can't, you can't ride a bike and be on your phone. So yeah. it's about noticing you can go for a walk and do it. Right. Yeah. So it's about noticing. Um, Cause I notice myself gravitate towards these things for a break to slow yep. down, to, to have some respite. It's where I can't physically be distracted. Mm, yep. Yeah. And I think we do need to break the stereotype of like the monks sitting on the top of the mountain and good on them <laughs> for being able to do that. But that's definitely not what it's about. You just yeah. listed many amazing ways, reading, riding a bike, you know, doing all these things. Um, so it's okay to be still having your mind doing something, even if you're not physically doing something as well. I mean, 
I have seven days in isolation, no exercise. I tried to do five body weight squats and then I needed to lie down. I'm like, okay, we're not ready yet. This is, I think, day three or whatever. I got a bit keen. Um, so I just spent time working, of course, because everyone knows that that's my way just to, to get on with it, just from the laptop in my bed, just chilling out and distracting myself, obviously, with a bit of Netflix and playing some Game Boy, just because the more I got on social media, it would just remind me of everything that's going on. So I just needed, so my mindfulness was playing a little bit of Mario and Donkey Kong just to take my mind off something and I could could focus on the colours and the music and, and all yeah. that and it just took me away into another world. Yeah. I mm. have a little bit of a bias with this because um, like... Oh, I feel like we've <laughs> spoken about this before and I, I have a feeling that Luke's going to cop it right now. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm trying to understand. I'm trying to understand, right? I don't I'm play just... COD though because shooting people oh, in a game would just anxiety. give me more anxiety. I'm talking about a little man jumping on yeah. a cloud. But Mario. I, I love that. But I'm trying to understand like... I don't know. I don't know the answer to this, but maybe parasympathetic nervous system looks like activation looks different for everyone. Arguably cod shooting people. I don't know. Um, but, you know, different practices are going to suit different people as well. And I think um, something that we did want to highlight as well, like understanding, well, what does it even mean when you activate something, right? Like when we're talking about parasympathetic nervous system, and how you activate it, there's something that a lot of people probably heard before called the vagus nerve. And this is like the longest nerve in the body, but it's the gateway to our parasympathetic parasympathetic nervous system and regulating a lot of those hormones that actually make you calm down or suppressing a lot of those hormones that, you know, ramp you up. Mm. And what you mentioned there, like breath work, um, journaling, all those sorts of things activate that nerve. And that's actually what allows you to be able to slow down, feel calm. And something I wanted to mention with the breath work that you also spoke about a lot of us are chest breathers. A lot mm. of us are like using those accessory chest muscles and we don't even realize it, right? That we're using this, this um, mouth breathing aspect to be able to get through and really slowing down and being like, how am I breathing? Like putting your hand on your belly and really breathing mm. into, your, into your diaphragm and using those sorts of things. It's, a, it's almost a way of like self-awareness, right? Yeah. To be in tune with your breath and actually activate that nervous system through your vagus nerve. And we really just wanted to mention that. Yeah, yeah, good point. And a lot of the clients that I see with neck pain and headaches um, are chest breathers because Mm. the more we raise our shoulders, those muscles are having to do that job. So they're constantly tightening up under stress as well. So you Mm. notice a lot of stressed people, even in movies and stuff, they're always rubbing their neck. Or if you Mm. notice someone that's really under the pump, they're they're rubbing their neck subconsciously to try and loosen that because they've been chest breathing. So for a lot of people who have headaches, sore neck and and all of that, just breathing is probably the number one thing that you can focus on right now. And as you said, breathing in through your diaphragm, you know, place your hand on your belly and and pay attention to that. It's actually a game changer. Yeah. One of, um, something that one of my coaches, Maddie sort of shared with me, which was really helpful is put your hands, right? I want you to put your right hand on your left shoulder and cross your arms and vice versa, put the other one on there too, and just breathe. If your shoulders rise in the mirror, you're breathing into your chest and not Mm, your belly. And it's a really good way of being able to identify like, where am I actually breathing? And Mm. even like 
when I was um, like working as a midwife and in that, this is something that we were like all over in labor. Oh, like, we needed be. to be like hypnotizing mm-hmm. people, like hypnobirthing. Anyone that's been through that, it's all about breath work. It's all about mm-hmm. tapping into your PNS. It's all about trying to calm down your body because it changes your state of mind. Yep. And I know we've referenced, um, oh. Who's it going to be today? Oh, Joe Dispenza, what's his book? Oh, yeah. Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself, Dr. Joe Dispenza. And you are the placebo. There are two, but you meant the first one. There was a reference. I can't remember which book it was, but he spoke about sexual arousal and the power of the mind on the body. Uh, And I guess the example that he used is how the brain can prepare the body right? Whether you're walking up to the barbell, for example, and you need to prepare it into a different state, like hormonally adrenaline, you need that. There's ways of doing that. But the example that he used that stuck with me was sexual arousal. And that's Mm. something you mentioned earlier in the episode. So for example, you're sitting down, you're watching porn, right? Maybe not us. Maybe. How did you know? No. (laughs) (laughs) Have you been on the porn hub? What's going on? But maybe you're sitting like a guy sitting down, a female, I don't care. Porn's for everyone. Go for it. Um, And you're watching porn, right? And naturally, right, your reproductive organs are lubricating and, and preparing your body for sexual activity, right? Yeah. And that, to me, when I was thinking about it, I was like, wow, you don't have to do anything. Your body can do something just from what your brain is interpreting or your eyes are seeing. Yeah. And, you know, whether it's, for example, we all put on amp up tunes before we go to the gym, we get ourselves pumping right? We, we activate our sympathetic nervous system. You don't want to be like, you don't really want to be like meditating and calming yourself down before you go for a PB. Yeah. So there's, there's ways of thinking about utilizing this in different aspects and something actually um, that we could probably have a discussion about. And I was doing some reading on a while ago. I've always encouraged nasal breathing for training and exercising because of the advantage of being able to activate diaphragm and core and keep everything in tune rather than like chest up sort of promoting Um, but I was doing some reading on more um, strength performance strategies of mouth breathing uh, and how that can improve like your strength or the amount of adrenaline you've got because Mm. when we mouth breathe it's sympathetic it's like activating um, adrenaline fight or flight cortisol and ramping you up whereas nasal breathing is parasympathetic right and it's like diaphragm rest and digest calming down a little bit I was doing some reading and I've actually been doing it myself on like mouth breathing for your really heavy sets um, under the barbell and just, and then obviously you, you activate your core and it's probably not something for beginners, but is that something that you're familiar with or something that you've heard about or seen others do? Yeah, absolutely. And based on personal experience, I feel that my rationale, even though it's not that scientific, my rationale would be like, imagine if you've gone underwater and you're coming up and you're going to take a big breath for your life, you're not going to do it through your nose you're going to try and get as much air as you can through your mouth. And I find that that's the same when you're about to do a heavy squat or a heavy deadlift. Your priority is to get as much air into your belly as you can. I reckon do it through your mouth. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I just never thought about it because yeah. all the, everything I've read is, has been about um, like nasal breathing for the point of like, like your, your diaphragm and your core can contract harder when you're breathing in the sort of the right way versus mouth breathing and putting your chest up, which usually is encouraged. So usually yeah. I would probably encourage more beginners to nasal breathe and keep ribs down and obviously not pushing for those heavy, true big lifts anyways like if they're focusing on technique but then I because I was the same like I've been including the mouth breathing now that I'm like really trying to grind through some of those like double set lifts um and yeah I found that it's I don't know whether it's just arousal I don't know whether it's true strength 
like that it's improving, but I definitely feel like I can generate more force. Yeah, yeah. And I would even give it to beginners, to be honest, Mm. because if you spend so much time learning one way and then all of a sudden when things get hard, you have to learn another way, it's challenging. Most people have a blocked nose. People have hay fever. A lot of people (laughs) have deviated septums. It's actually really hard for a lot of people to get a clear breath through their nose. People have allergies. Since moving to Sydney, I haven't been able to get a clear breath through my nose despite whatever. So personally, I just prefer mouth breathing in training because I don't want to feel lightheaded or like I'm suffocating when I'm training. Mm. That's just me. If you're doing something slow, you don't have to mouth breathe because you can get lightheaded as well doing that over and over again. I think it depends on the type of training and I can understand what you're saying about beginners and intensity and technique. If you're in the zone, slow pace, you know, controlled, okay, cool, nose breathe. But if you're strength training, I think mouth breathing's fine. Yeah. That's yeah, just I've, my personal opinion. No matter what the science says, it doesn't matter because I'd rather feel like I've got enough air in. Oh, for sure. If you've got a yeah. blocked nose, you're not going to be like trying to breathe through one nostril with like a heavy squat. But yeah, it's just something <laughs> I've been playing around with because yeah. um, I've been doing it for like my heavy deads and squats at the start. And like if someone's struggling with like flaring rib cage and all that sort of stuff, no, like I would encourage But you can still breathing. do it. You can still mouth breathe and then tuck your ribs. Yeah, you can. I think it's a separate skill in itself. Yeah, you can. But I find like with the heavy stuff, it's been good, but I still choose um, nasal breathing because nasal breathing has a lot of other benefits as well. You actually perfuse oxygen better when you breathe it through your nasal cavity as well. Um, I used to do it with the oldies, like when you put the oxygen probe on their finger, their yeah. sacks would be low. Every nurse knows this. I don't, it's, it's oh, like, really? I bought one of those as well when I was freaking out and it was a hundred. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm like, Paul, do you mind just coming down to the canvas yeah. and getting one of those bloody oxygen things? <laughs> no. It was a hundred, of course. Yeah. This is just me being a hypochondriac. <laughs> I feel like the, the old, I was telling Shrella earlier, I've turned into a wuss. The older I've gotten and the more self-aware of my body and the, the better I mm. feel on a day-to-day basis, I... I worry more when I feel something that's a little bit off because I'm so used to feeling so good all the time, yep. but I hate it. Of course. Yeah. Well, you know, but anyway, it's, it's not, it's like when you're exposed to a lot of those things, it's quite normal for you. But what I was going to go with that is like, Sorry, yeah. when like, if an old person doesn't breathe properly or whatever, they constantly mouth breathe or they've got emphysema or something like that, their yeah. sacs might be like 89 or something. You yeah. just tell them to take it through breasts through their nose and their sats will go up you take the probe yeah. off and write down the good answer. Every oh, nurse knows. <laughs> not a good thing, tricks. but that was the thing with like the, how beneficial nasal breathing is, right? Parasympathetic. And that's sort of the point that we're going with. But um, I just wanted to touch on quickly when you were saying about, you know, sometimes, and a lot of people will be able to relate to this, you get a bit anxious when we've got, you know, Dr. Google there and you're experiencing these symptoms and that in itself can aggravate it and make it worse. And yeah. you're worried about it and you're like, oh, shortness of breath, chest pain, all these sorts mm-hmm. of things. Um, it was actually like a couple of weeks ago, I was at like an event and someone fell over and cracked their head. Um, and there was like blood everywhere because it was really hot. Oh. And everyone's like, is there a nurse? And I'm like, oh <laughs> do I and there was and I was like okay I'll have a look yeah. I don't know like of course I've seen it before but the difference is I'm comfortable with blood yeah like I'm comfortable to put a glove on and be like nah look yeah go look at it. I'm not it's not any different anyone can yeah. wipe down a gash but mm-hmm. when you're comfortable whereas there was like people like really her daughter like nearly passed out seeing the blood for example oh, there you go yeah so we all respond differently based on our own life experiences and what we're used to as well yeah yeah exactly right um um, what were we talking about? You kind of spoke about that um, Joe Dispenza watching porn episode, then brushed it over. <laughs> I wanted to play around with that a bit more, but that's okay. That left. Um, 
my example would have been imagine yourself biting into a lemon and then your tongue mm. salivates. But yes. I think your example is way more fun. Um, <laughs> Surely everyone's got to remember Pornhub over the lemon. <laughs> free advertising. is. I swear Instagram's turned into a bit of that anyway, so it's free, so don't worry. Oh, um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, and a lot of people do love pumping up before mm. a heavy squat or deadlift, but just be mindful to not pump up too early before your set because yeah. I've definitely done that before when I was young and I would take all the pre-workout and like from the moment I stepped into the car, I'd, my tunes would be blasting. And by the time I got to the platform, I was gassed. Mm. Yeah. So pick your time wisely. Some people like Paul, for example, he can listen to Whitney Houston still pull a PB and sometimes he does. Like he just literally could just tune into whatever he wants now. He doesn't need all that external stuff. Yeah. I love the external stuff, but just don't do it too early because you'll gas yourself out. Yeah, for sure. You need to time it well. The other thing as well is like I, do you know what I get, I think doesn't get enough airtime is cool downs. You know, like for me, I will always like just spend five minutes on the treadmill. Hopefully I've got time, but it's five minutes on the treadmill and like a bit of breathing. Maybe I literally lay on the foam roller. Yep. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm not really doing anything, but it's yep. just about not going from like fight or flight to the calm, to mm. the next thing and then work. It's about creating these pockets where you can have a little bit of downtime. And I just, I just feel so much better from doing yep. it. My sessions are better. Even between sets as well. A yeah. lot of people between sets are scrolling or, you know, talking shit with their mate at the gym or distracted or this or that, or they don't rest long enough. Honor that rest time in between your set, be present, some nasal breathing, and then get into the next set as well. Yeah. yeah. For sure. The other thing um, that I was going to touch on was um, HRV. So that yeah. is a, a measurement that, you know, a lot of, I get, I guess a lot of wearables um, track these days. So for example, um, the Aura Ring uh, mm. tracks your HRV, the Whoop Band tracks your HRV. You can manually do it as well. If you really want to, you can Jeez. track your, your, um, your resting heart rate in the morning. And then, um, yeah, there's a formula for it. I don't know what it is. So I wouldn't choose to do that. <laughs> Just but, buy one of the resources. It's easier. Yeah. But HRV um, actually it's, it's heart rate variability, mm. what it stands for. It measures the variability between your sympathetic nervous system and your parasympathetic nervous system and I believe we've spoken about this before uh on the sleep episode because it's it's very um you know it's very measured in in sleep wearables for that exact reason but there are certain ways and in my opinion what's measured is managed there are certain ways that you can actually measure okay well how much stress am I under what sort of state is my body in because you mentioned earlier Danny that we're so good at pushing and we're so good at being like I'm fine I'm fine I'm fine I'm fine and then on the side you know your your digestion's gone to shit your skin's breaking out and you feel like crab yeah and it's like you might think you're fine but you know you can't hide it you can't the signs are there no and this is like you know I don't know much about chronic fatigue but it's a collection of symptoms of like being in fight or flight not relaxing Mm. and not stressing um not taking time to like de-stress and decompress Mm -hmm. so yeah anyone who's got one of those things take a look at your hrv generally the lower it is the less mm. tolerance you have for stress so our aim is for it to be higher now everyone's limits are different but just pay attention to your results on a higher day you might be able to tolerate more okay you'll be able to do more you'll feel more well rested more tolerable of other people on a low day you'll know to take it easy that day maybe don't train legs maybe have a rest day so yeah good point with hrv 
Yeah. And another way that you can actually just measure something a bit more um, like with less friction is you can just take your resting heart rate in the morning, like before you get out of bed and you can look at that range. Like everything, it's not so much the resting heart rate, it's the trend, right? It's the Mm -hmm. trend of that actual resting heart rate and what's happening. So if you naturally have a resting heart rate of 55 and then, you know, over the course of six months, it's gone up to 65, you know, that's, that's a problem um, and you probably need to look at stress levels. So, you know, you can jump on the internet as I'm sure there's heaps of stuff and, <laughs> and look up like HRV and resting heart rate and how actually fundamentally important that is um, to be able to measure some sort of objective data when it comes to stress. Absolutely. And I think it is a good point what you said, measure it over the point of six months or even to start with a couple of weeks because what people can tend to do is all of a sudden become obsessed with learning about their vital signs, measure it, get their number, compare it to Google, and then it's different. And then you think you're unwell and then you can panic. Well, no, that's probably been your normal for your whole life. Mm. You don't know. So yeah, you need to take that measurement multiple times and then get your average. Look at your highs and your lows rather than just comparing it. Um, Mm. Yeah, don't let that happen. Because a lot of people I saw posting on social media being like, oh my God, this is my heart rate or this is this, this is that. But it might've been like that the whole time. So yeah. Don't base it just off one day or one one snapshot in time even. It could be different, you know, as the day goes on. Yeah, it's also stupid to compare those sorts of things, to be honest, because you can't Naturally compare HIV, though. You can't compare. It's so subjective. Mine could be 30 and yours could be 100. It doesn't mean anything. It's yeah. just like maybe mine's always been 30. It's like body weight. When people ask me how much I weigh, I'm like, why? How What's tall are you? How much, everyone always comments how tall are you. Why? Look, well, I don't understand, but particularly with weight, like maybe my liver weighs more than yours. Literally. Like, does it really burned. No, yeah. I just, you know, there's certain measurements that you've got to measure for yourself and look at trends. And, and yeah. Except know. for blood pressure. That's pretty standard. Yeah, that's standard. I would say Ish. it's definitely standards. Um, blood pressure and temperature, probably the only yeah. two, two core components. Everything else no, just don't yeah. compare. And there's always parameters, <laughs> right? There's always parameters. But mm. one thing I found interesting when we were doing some reading on the parasympathetic nervous system, and um, it's very obvious when you sort of look back, but it's just how physical touch um, and those sorts of sensations can also help to activate it. We all know how like warm and fluffy we feel when we have like a hug or when we, mm. you know, pat our cat. Like yeah. we do those sorts of things as well. And I just think social engagement like is so important when it comes to downtime. Like it's why catching up with friends and making time for activities and realizing that it's not just journaling and breath work that really helps with this. Yeah. And that is massive. That's why we get so drawn to animals and pets and, you know, you have those therapy dogs, as you said, yep. in hospitals and in nursing homes, um, and all of that. And even I noticed just living with Paul, because he never even got it off me, touch wood, but it's too late anyway, which is so weird. But, and then we obviously had to social distance and that was a bit weird because he'd be in one room, I'd be in the other room. Yeah. And, but he, and then towards the end, so when he knew it was okay, he'd come in and just give me a little foot massage. And that would just, it was our yeah. routine. Every time he'd come near, I'm like, right, the blanket would come off, foot massage. And that would just, you just feel so relaxed just to have some sort of social engagement. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah it does wonders. And we've spoken about like massage before. It's one of the reasons why, yeah. like when you think about it, I'm like, I just feel so good. You know, it's just I do about- love them. A lot yeah. of people think I don't love them because of the whole, 
um, exercise rehabilitation thing, but I think that they are great to calm yourself down and to get into a beautiful headspace. I love getting them. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like I love a lot of those like alternative practices, you know, Chinese medicine, all those sorts of things. It's, it's really about like your nervous system and calming yourself down and creating those pockets throughout the day where you can slow down because we're so good at not doing it. It can be something as simple as like getting your nails done. You know, I know it sounds so trivial to people, but there are like physiological benefits, digestion. You know, if you looked at chronic digestive issues and how many people are having them, um, you know, can you correlate that with stress? Absolutely. I know I'm stressed out of my brain and I would react to broccoli. Right. So it's just about realizing stress is huge on the body. And even when it comes to like, for example, when I had a more, I want to say stressful lifestyle and stress is stress. I understand that. But when I was doing like night duty and constantly shift work and those sorts of things, I definitely had periods where like I was bloated and I was having digestive Mm. issues or sleep was interrupted or my skin, I would have breakouts, right? Mm. Night duty tore my skin up. Mm. So it's just about realizing that, stress you know it's going to impact every organ in your body because the vagus nerve connects to every organ in the body so it's really important to understand actually that's just reminded me of something that i wanted to mention so last month um when i had that stomach virus which i've noticed this pattern now so last month i had a stomach virus and i haven't been this sick in a very long time i think it's just because we've been isolating and now all of a sudden we're not Mm. um so I had that stomach virus. And then on the same day that I came down with that, I got my period. And I'm like, oh, well, this sucks. And then this time, the same day I tested positive, I got my period. So I'm like the heightened stress in the body, which one, the chicken or the egg? Mm. I have a feeling the heightened stress in the body brought it on. I don't yeah. know. What are your thoughts? Uh, well, I, I have heard that before. I haven't personally Two months in a row. It. I have heard. Were they the same duration of cycles nah. or was it early? It was early. Yeah, for sure. I I absolutely think like we know the opposite is true. We know that like um, functional hypothalamic amnuria is a response from stress, Mm. right? Your body's not going to want to reproduce or ovulate or make an egg. It shuts off that connection, like that axis from your brain. Your brain is connected to your ovary. It's the endocrine system. So it's about understanding that, yes, absolutely. We see that in the fitness industry. We see it everywhere. We see it in healthcare and everyone we go around fixing these problems the wrong way. We have a pill, you know, we look, we do something, we try and trick the body. And it's like, you can't do that. At the mm. end of the day, it's our lifestyle and these sorts of stresses that impacts this. And for a good reason, you know, evolutionary wise, it's like, well, your body again, doesn't really want you to get pregnant if you're going through these sorts of things. But mine was the opposite. I got the period at the same day as the illness. Yeah, but the period's not the main event. Well, anyways. you're not going to, yeah, it's the ovulation. Yeah, because yeah. maybe it was the increased inflammation as well because, like, my skin broke out way worse. I got way more PMS symptoms because mm. I had, like, a virus in me as well. Yeah. Well, it sounds like a progesterone thing because, mm. um, for example, like, if you get, like, um, chin acne, like, around this sort of area of the face, that's yeah. supposed to be linked more to progesterone as well, especially during the time of the month, et cetera. Um, and then if you think about it, like dropping progesterone levels is what makes you shed 
um, the endometrial lining. So, you know, it's hard to like really know, but I'm mm. sure you can definitely find correlation. I mean, it's happened and you've linked it. I don't know what else. I just found it, it interesting. Just that's hopefully funny. next month. Surely that's it now. We'll yeah. see next month. Yeah. Well, it's, it's why so we, interesting. It's, it's why we look at your menstrual cycle as your fifth vital sign. You yeah. know, it's, it's why we classify it. It's, it's, it's why these sorts of things are important. I actually think that um, like reproduction wise, for a female, it's a very sensitive area, like our, mm. our reproduction. So when that's being interrupted, whether it's from like reproductive diseases or irregular menstrual cycle or no menstrual cycle, it's like a really big warning sign. It's like your first red flag. It's yeah. the first red flag. Yeah. So take those things seriously. And as we mentioned, like measuring it, I think everyone waits until something is physiologically wrong until they start to you know, include a meditative or a mindfulness practice or like yeah. have a freaking massage. And it's just yeah. like, we need to treat these things as like integral to health as much as your training and your fitness and your nutrition. Like it's the same formula. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, I've had literally over two weeks off training. My body's hardly changed. No, People think, in fact, any little niggle has gone. I feel mm. more relaxed. I feel more excited to get back into training. Yeah. My mind's been clear. I've had more time doing other things. It's fine. The world didn't stop. And I feel yeah. like I said that last month when I was unwell, but I'm going to say it again because I've had another week off. The world doesn't stop. And you know what? I've really learned during this time. Why are we rushing? Mm. Why are we always rushing from A to B to C, trying to get anywhere as fast as we can, missing conversations with people because it puts us out, you know, slow down. The world has slowed down. There's no point rushing and being frantic to get to your goal. You can still get to your goal. And I think you get to your goal better with a clear mind because mm. you make better decisions. You don't burn out. You're present and you actually enjoy the process of getting to your goal. So for all the high achievers like you and I, Sherelle, slowing down didn't kill me. And I'm going to really bring that into this year just to make it who I am now. I'm sick of rushing. Yeah. I oh, okay. <laughs> I'm done. I hear you though. I hear you because we are so quick to get to the next thing and it's sort of like, what's the rush, you know? And sometimes you just need someone to say to you, like, slow down, you've got time, don't rush, like you're young, you've got all the things, you may well enjoy it, you know, yep. along the road. There's going to be things pop up. And I also just almost want to like highlight that for anyone that does get sick and for myself in the future. Oh. Um, a couple of weeks off training does absolutely nothing, nothing physically to you. It's mm -hmm. psychologically that we struggle to slow down. That's that's the real problem, you know, because I've had this conversation with clients. It's like, cool, you're going through this event. Screw the training. Yep. Like, what do you feel like you need to do? Do you want to go for a walk? Like, let's just focus on that. Like, yep. you don't need to be crushing training sessions all the time, right? If you need a bit more of that parasympathetic nervous system activation and life's already so stressful and activated at the moment, we all go through things. Yep. Pulling back and allowing your body to recover physically, psychologically, mentally, whatever, should be your priority. But too often we're trying to push because we we think that we should perform it in the exact same way 365 days a year, regardless of the stress that's coming in. Yeah. And that's not realistic because your priorities change, your life changes, your body mm -hmm. changes. Um, yeah. So that was awesome. I also wanted just to make a point based off our notes as well, sensory deprivation. So not everyone has the luxury to take a nap in the middle of the day. That's so fine. But you can get yourself in a position of sensory deprivation, whether it be you just close your eyes for five minutes so you get rid of mm. that light and vision or you cover your ears or, you know, put headphones in with nothing in it just to block your, your auditory path um, or just have some sort of reduction of stimulation. 
I, I tried it last year um, and it's just amazing. So you yeah. don't actually need to be in a bed lying down. No. You literally just close your eyes or turn off any sound. You don't get it on your phone. Five minutes, open your eyes again. It's like, holy shit, that's amazing. Yeah. Have you ever done a float tank? No, I really so want to. Weirdest thing Is it scary ever. though, like claustrophobic? Uh, I'm not claustrophobic, well, they're pretty good, <laughs> but uh, they're pretty big though, to be yeah. honest. They're pretty big. You can stretch your arms and legs out. Oh, uh, I yeah, just yeah. think of that episode of The Simpsons. That's no, why. no, like the solarium where they get stuck in it. That's oh, what God. freaks me out of that episode of, I can't remember what it was. Um, but that, I, I used to do that like a little bit, like I've probably done like mm. 10 floats in the past or something. And that that is true sensory deprivation. That's what float wow. tanks are actually, the science is built off. Then they've been doing it for a very, very long time. Like not obviously not with the actual tank itself, but in different cultures in different ways. Um, but yeah, something yeah. that I used to do at work is um, I would literally take my headphones, sit in the lobby. I didn't care who saw me, just shut my eyes and listen to headphones space with Perfect. so many people around you because I actually think it's a skill to be able to do it in a busy environment we can create um silence and space and calmness and stillness in a busy space if we choose to do so right because yep. if you just focus on what you're listening to and being present and like no one's going to interrupt you if you've got your eyes shut I can tell you I surely not yeah, yeah. <laughs> I used to just take myself into the lobby in the busiest hospital in Melbourne and just sit I used to go to the Perfect. religious room sometimes and I'd just sit Good. there and just you know have five minutes to myself if I was having a really hectic day and that used to just do me the world of good just to yep. be able to leave a physical busy place go to another busy place but where I knew I wouldn't be like asked oh can I have some help or can I do this so yeah shut my eyes so having that sensory deprivation maybe it's just shutting off one sense that you're already exposed to you know maybe you just need to visually just shut your eyes and lay down and listen to something or vice versa so it's a really good mm. tactic that you can think about well how can I do that in my day and um something I really love doing is like in the morning if I go for a walk I won't take headphones I'll just walk and mm. it's just so nice because so often we fill it with a podcast or a music or something. We've always got to have something in our ears. And it's yeah. just nice to be able to hear the birds. Yeah, the birds, the trees, all of that. And what you um, brought up there about um, the sensory deprivation in a busy environment is so important, actually, because that's a skill that you can carry anywhere mm. before a big presentation, before getting on stage. Mm. We all know what it's like backstage. There's just yep. everything is going on. Um so before any moment, like a sporting event in which, like any moment in which you have to be present, I think that's a skill that we all should practice. So actually putting yourself in a busy environment and then practicing being present, because that's definitely, that definitely was a game changer for me um, before, yeah, my presentations, before getting on stage. I had no concept of that when I first started competing and it just got too overwhelming. By the time it was the last show, I knew how to turn it on and off. I think that's a nice reminder. That's probably something that I want to start practicing again, actually. I found What's that I'm that? getting exactly that sensory deprivation, but not. I'm, I'm getting good at it in a quiet space, but I've forgotten how to be in a busy space and do it just because I haven't really put myself in busy spaces as of recent. But yeah, that's something mm. I want to work on again, just to not let any sound noise always distract me. You can kind of yeah. pick, okay, I want to respond to that then and there. I want to respond to my phone when I'm ready. Like, mm. yeah. So thanks for the yeah. reminder. 
That's all right. It's something that I try to like, I've got a, like a journal that I've been doing every day. And one of the things is like, what's your intention for the day? Mm. And it's something I'm like, my intention for every day is just to try and be present in the thing that I'm doing. Yeah. You know, so I'm, I'm in this podcast and I'm talking to you guys and like my WhatsApp went off before and I mm. just leave it, you know, yeah. and it's just about not allowing your distraction to be pulled because in this world it's everywhere and that is so hard for my system to do (laughs) when I'm like I'll just fix that quickly I'll just do this I'll go here I'll just put that away I'll just do this yeah I'm 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 a fixer so I'll just get in I'll be like it's quicker for me just to do it now in probably because of your work Cheryl because you had to be so responsive at work yeah Yeah. you couldn't Um, just if someone was pressing the emergency call button or whatever you couldn't just be like I'm going to wait 20 minutes and finish my coffee and then go. Like you couldn't do that. Mixing this up. Yeah, 100%. One of the things that um, I've reflected on before that I just think is so such an important message is that just like we live in this hustle culture, we also live in a multitasking culture. Mm. And like it is the thing that I used to use in a job interview and I'd get the job. I'd say like I'm a fantastic multitasker. You know, I can do, I can do everything at once. And it's so true, but what, what is the quality of that? You know, like, sure, I can get the things done, but to what level? And like you said, you know, nursing hat, that was a skill that you had to have. You had to be able to wear all the hats. You had to be able to do five things at once because you were under that time pressure and you had to be able to quickly shift your attention and do an okay job, Mm. right? Whereas when, uh, now that I'm in business, it's very different. It's like, well, if I have that same multitasking approach, the quality of my work is not going to be optimal. In matter of fact, when I respond the quality is poor. I need space. I need time to think about it. I'll get back when I've, when I've got an answer, but I still feel that, that like that adrenaline of that impulse, you know, and I think a lot of people can, it's that sympathetic, I get it done, do it now. It's those parts rather than sort of stepping back, zooming out and focusing on like the best way to get something done or the quickest or the, not the quickest. Yeah. If it's just a little task that pops up that you can just, you know, like that whack-a-mole game, just quickly get rid of it. Great. When it comes to um, being an online coach, the notifications never end. Okay. So if we, (laughs) and our clients can get quite emotional, they get bloody emotional and that's fine, Mm. but we can't react to their emotion with our emotion. So it is so important what you said, just zoom out give it some time, let the situation defuse on its own naturally and then respond because I've seen coaches and when you first start, you sort of want to respond at all hours of the day and night, Mm. but then that also doesn't send a good message to your client. No, we don't want to ignore them, but Mm. we don't need to reply as soon as they say something because then it doesn't teach them to be resourceful. It feeds into their emotional state. A lot of the times if you leave it for half an hour, an hour or whatever you're timeframes are within your business a lot of the times they work it out themselves and it's great so Mm. as an online coach or a coach in general we we don't need to be responsive set your guidelines and boundaries with your client okay these are my Mm. communicating hours blah 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 let them know that you're always here to help but then don't feed into their stuff yeah yeah Yeah. give it it time 
does come down to sort of what you said as well, like with the boundaries, like clear is kind. If you've got days off, if you've got hours, if you've got things that are important to you, just set the standard and then everyone knows, right? Like this is when I'm available and I'm very clear. I'm like, I'm not on my phone after this time, like, and you shouldn't be either. (laughs) It's just about like really framing that and being able to internally do that. Like I might get a message pop up and I might see it, um, but I'll be like, oh no, I'll do that tomorrow. There's there's no emergencies in online coaching and that's Mm. my one of my favorite things you don't have to multitask you don't yeah. have to run off you can be like you know what I'm going to think about that I'm going to come back with a good answer I'm not going to have a reflex and just impulsively flick over to it yeah yeah really good point about multitasking and again something that serves a purpose in certain situations like yeah. being a nurse or, or things like that or you're in a restaurant but for a lot of people you get the job done a lot better by focusing on one thing at a time. So again, yeah. it's that discipline. There's yeah. a lot of homework for everyone. I'm excited. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah, but good. I feel like, you know, next week we really want to chat about the other side of it, which we have sort of indirectly mentioned in this, which is the sympathetic nervous system and that fight or flight, that arousal. So, you know, this week we really hope that you've got that sense of the parasympathetic nervous system and we thought it was more beneficial to touch on that now. Uh, And as you mentioned, Danny, like give a little bit of homework and a few um, ideas and create some dialogue around some of the ways that you can start activating that branch. Yeah. So thanks everyone for listening and, you know, look after yourselves, be compassionate, but most important, be compassionate to yourself as well. It's okay to rest and recover. Yeah, absolutely. And again, like always, if you did enjoy this episode, please do take a screenshot, um, tag the Level Up podcast, and we'll see you all next week. Thanks, everyone.